Come on. Well, let me first start off by, by saluting all of our moms out there. Man, moms, we love and appreciate all you do, and not just all you do, but also who you are. But it's mind-blowing, all the things that mothers do um, for their children. It's incredible. And so happy Mother's Day. And really quickly, right, I, I will shamefully plug my beautiful mother. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Kathy Deal. you mean the world to me. I love you. And then I'll also say happy Mother's Day to my beautiful wife, the mother of my children, Jolie Deal, man, I love you ladies and appreciate you so very much. So right now, like Bree said, put in the chat, happy Mother's Day um, to your moms and earn some brownie points. I'm trying to help you this morning. Praise the Lord. But um, anyway, now that all that is, is done, let me say this. Good morning, CWC. And you already know what I'm going to ask. How y'all doing this morning? Come on, if you're good, shout I'm good right now in the chat. And if you're right here in-house, shout I'm good. Amen. Amen. As you can see, we are here with our live studio audience. It looks a little bit different today, but I'm so, so grateful for them. I'm so grateful from, from our worship team to our media team, from our community kids team to our connection staff team, man, I'm telling you. Without them, it would be impossible for us to do the things we've been able to do during this really unprecedented time. And so, man, I'd like to say thank you to them. And also to say thank you to all of you um, for taking the time to share our content, man. It's been incredible to sit back and watch and see um, how, how people are being reached day in and day out, week in and week out. Um, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so let me encourage you, continue to share it, continue to comment, continue to, to like it so we can continue to tell more people about Jesus. Amen. 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 Because here is, is, is what I'll tell you. The fact is this, that this is what this life is all about. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We are here on this earth to inform people about Jesus, that he has the name that is above every other name. We are here to inform them that he has been given the only name under heaven by which men and women must be saved. It's all him. See, I think a lot of times, man, we feel like it's our job to make the name of Jesus famous. Like, like that's our job, to, to, to make sure that we give him the name above every name. But that's just not true. The Bible says that God has bestowed upon him the name that is, that is above every other name. He is already all those things. It's not because we say so or because we do something. He's already those things because God said so. He's already all those things because he is the invisible God made visible. He, he's already all those things and more because he died for the sins of the world. And after three days, he came back to life because he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's why he's been given the name above every name. See, see, Jesus is enough. He is, I am, the proof's in the pudding, and he has the scarred proof to prove it. And whether we believe it or not, won't change it one bit. Doesn't change it one bit. See, we, we live in a culture that says, your truth is your truth. I'm not even sure what that means. That's the dumbest saying I've ever heard because it's just not true. Your truth is not your truth unless your truth is Jesus. The culture tells us if it makes you happy, then, then do that. Then, then you should do that if it makes you happy. And you can create your own success. You can create your own fate. But, but see, the problem with that is 
that creates delusions of grandeur. As if our beliefs in and of ourselves can somehow create some type of authority that will possibly change, change our lives in this life and perhaps even the life to come. Which is a, is a lie from the pit of hell. The enemy wants us to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. He wants us to believe that we have this type of authority. But Isaiah chapter 46, God says something completely different. He says, remember, remember this and stand firm on, on this. Re recall it to your mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old for I am God. And there is no other, I am God. And there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times to things not yet even done. Saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. This is the word, this is the word of the Lord. Calling a bird of prey from the east and, and a man of my counsel from the far country. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. See, we have to remember where our authority comes from. He's our champion. We have authority that comes from Jesus and only Jesus. We have to remember the one we serve. We have to remember why we've been put on this earth. Too often, man, we take way too much credit for ourselves. Way too often, man, I, I cringe when I hear Christians and Christ followers say, I I did this and I did that. I built this business and I built this church. As if they were put on this earth to serve their own interests. Or even worse, as if Jesus was put on the throne of heaven to serve their personal interests. Man, as the people of God, we must recall it to our minds that he is God. We must recall it to our minds that we were put here on this earth to serve his purpose. We've got to recall to our minds that we were put here to not preserve our life, but to lay our lives down for his namesake. And here's the thing, man, I know this, that when I have been struggling in my life, different seasons of my life that I find myself struggling, it's because I've missed the point of life. I've missed it. I have become blinded by my own eye. I, I, I built this, I built that, I want this, I want that, I, I, it's all about, it's all about I. And see, when we become about I, then we will start to live to preserve our life. Everything that we then do when we're blinded by our own eye is to protect I or is to benefit I. I don't want to feel anxiety, so I take a pill. I don't want to feel this pain that I've been through in my life, so I take a drink. Man, I don't feel like I'm in love anymore, so I will get a divorce. I want the cash. I want the cars. I want, I want. So I will do whatever I need to do in order to achieve these things I want. But see, the opposite is how Jesus tells us to live. He tells us to live counter-cultural. The Christian life has never been, I'm gonna give you a newsflash, it's never been about self-preservation, ever. It's never been about preserving our own lives. We are called to die to self in order to live. 
So much so that the God we serve led the way by laying down his own life for us. He didn't tell, tell someone else to send their son. No, no, he sent his only begotten son. He laid down his own life, showing us how we are to lay down our lives. And since Easter Sunday, man, we've been walking through this. We're trying to inform everyone of this fact, trying to reveal the reason that we were put here on this earth. If you remember on Easter, we informed everyone that Jesus is enough. Come on and put that in the chat. Jesus is enough. Right, in other words, we don't have to look any further. There's nothing we need to add to Jesus. There's nothing we need to subtract from Jesus. He is complete in and of himself, all by himself. Perfect covenant, perfect union, perfect love. There really is no one like him. No one like him. And see what happens when we turn to other people, places and things in this life, we find ourselves lacking. We find ourselves missing missing the point of life. Jesus is enough. And then the week after Easter, we preached a message. He is, I am. He is, I am. See, there's so much sickness, so many hurts, so many disappointments in this life that we need the revelation that he is the I am. And man, it's so refreshing when we, we know that there is one. There is one who can heal every sickness, heal every hurt, fulfill every disappointment in my life. But see, if we don't know that, if we don't know that about Jesus, then our life becomes hopeless, completely hopeless. He is, I am. He is everything I need him to be in every season of my life. He's never lacking. Then we jumped into the, the message titled, The Proofs in the Pudding. Not in the pudding, but in the pudding. Talking about this, simply talking about this, that the life of Jesus, right? The things he did, the things he said, the things he accomplished on this earth proves he is enough and proves he is I am. Then last week, we went through a message titled The Scarred Proof. That his scars reveal who he is and how our, our scars as well can reveal who he is because man, I should have been completely broken. I should have lost my life. I should have, these scars in my life show that I should have been there, but, 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 but God has brought me here. So I know that Jesus is real. He has a scarred proof and see all these messages have a, have a common thread through them, a common theme. And his name is Jesus. It's Jesus. Come on, put that in the chat, Jesus. See, the name of Jesus has the power of breakthrough, has the power of healing, has the power of comfort. It's an amazing truth. Jesus is all that we need and all that we should long for because it really is in him that we live, we move, and we have our being. But, but here's the thing, here's the thing. If we don't meet him, if we don't hear of him, if we don't see him, there's no way we'll be able to live for him. If we don't know him, our lives will be empty and meaningless. So in every single one of these messages that we preached up to today, we're trying to inform everyone about him. 
and how he did it all for us. He did it all for us. But, but here's the truth. Here's the truth. If we just talk about everything Jesus has done for us, and that's the only thing that we discuss, we will start to live according to a false doctrine. A doctrinal teaching that will tell us that everything is for us, so it has to be about us. When actually Jesus did it all for us so that we live for him. He, he did it all for us so that we give our lives to him. We, he did it all for us so we surrender it all over to him. If we preach a gospel message that is solely for us and about us, then that gospel message has no power. That message cannot save us and it cannot transform us if it's for us and about us. So man, today I wanna kind of wrap up these, these messages here. Spending some time informing us of what happened after Jesus proves that he did it for us. I wanna see how his followers are to respond after he proves he is everything we have talked about him being over the past four weeks. Because the fact of the matter is this, there is a response required from all of us. There's a response required. And if we don't show the response and we only talk about what he did for us, then it, then it all becomes about us and it's empty. And that's an incomplete picture of what God intended for us. See, it's for us, all of it's for us, but it's not about us. It's not about us. And I really felt like the Lord led us to Acts chapter three. And Acts chapter three, because right here is where the persecution of his disciples gets really real. It's, it's here that the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Now, if you rewind to Acts chapter one, what it says there is that Jesus has shown his disciples by many proofs that he is the one they are to live for. Fast forward, back over, track forward, Acts chapter three. Here's Peter and John. They're on their way to the temple to tell everyone about Jesus, to inform the people how they need to, to live for him and repent of their sin. As they're entering into this temple, right, to, to preach this gospel message, they run into this lame beggar. And they're asking, he's asking Peter and John for, for money. And, and the Bible says that, that John and Peter stop and they gaze at him and they tell him, get, stare back at us. And, and the Bible says that the man thought they were, he was gonna, gonna get something from them, but it was different than what he expected. And Peter and John say this, they say, silver and gold we have not, but that which we do have in the name of Jesus, rise, take up your mat and walk. Immediately, a miracle started breaking out of their mouth, immediately. The man was healed in Jesus' name. And the Bible says when, when this happened, all the people that were in the temple began to marvel in amazement at Peter and John. But Peter and John say to them, why do you marvel at us? Why do you stare and wonder in all of us? Do you think it's because of us and our own piety and our own authority that we were able to heal this man? They say, no, 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 no. We're men just like you. It was Jesus Christ of Nazareth that caused this man to rise and walk. It was by his authority 
that this man is healed. And what a catalyst moment in Peter and John's ministry. See, they had a decision to make right then and right there. It was a decision right then, a split-second decision. Make it about themselves, take the credit for themselves, take the spotlight for themselves, or, or give credit where credit is, is due. And the fact of the matter is this, they're human beings just like us. They're just like us. And as human beings, man, we like to be praised. We like to hear how great we are. We, we like the spotlight. But the truth of the matter is, the praise is his. The spotlight is always his and, and not ours. And this is something we cannot afford to get wrong, right? We have to always give glory to God. It's not ours, not ever. The glory is his, he gives us his anointing. But the glory is his. But that's not always an easy thing to do all the time. But it is a necessary thing to do all the time. And we will all have the opportunity to make this decision, every single one of us. Matter of fact, I'll never forget the first time that I had to, to, to make this split second decision. Right? We as a church at the time were experiencing what other people deemed as success because we started to grow significantly. We were hosting outreaches where a couple thousand people were showing up and, and it was incredible. But, but because of this success, right, I had this church ask me to come over and, and speak to their elder board and to their, their pastor. They invited me over. And after they introduced me, right, they introduced me. This is Pastor Keith Thiel. He's an incredible young leader and, and Man, he has been able to, to grow his church and, and, and we're gonna hear from him today. And so give him your undivided attention. Right in that moment, man, right in that moment, the sickest feeling ever came over me, came down deep in the pit of my stomach. But what was crazy, I'll never forget it. At the same time, a wave of pride came crashing down, trying to drown out the sick feeling. In other words, the flesh came to try to drown out the spirit. The spirit was trying to warn me because see the spirit and the flesh are constantly warring against one another to keep each other from having what the other desires. See, the flesh brings death, but the spirit brings life. But man, I had a split second decision. I got both of these feelings pulling me in opposite directions. Do I take the credit for myself? Do I take the spotlight? Do I stick my chest out a little bit? You know what I mean? Cock my head like a banny rooster. Is, it, is, that, is that what I do? Say, that's right, man, yeah. And we know what we're doing. Because of our hard work, yep. Because of our talent, yep. Now we got a church that's growing. But thanks be to Jesus. <laughs> the Holy Spirit prevailed. But it was a split second decision. And I actually started to preach to these men <laughs> of God, praise the Lord. They were all way older than me too. But I began to preach because the word of the Lord came to me. See, 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 God's word says this, that one plants another waters, but God produces the growth. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. If we're the one building, then the gates of hell can prevail against it. I told him, I can't, I can't take the credit. And I said very graciously, I appreciate the, you know, the introduction and, and all those things, but I can't take the credit. The glory's not mine. It belongs it belongs to Jesus. Can I tell you, they never invited me back to speak. Praise the Lord. <laughs> never again. <laughs> never again. We will all be tested in this area of our lives. And we have to remember to pass that test. 
by giving the glory to God in every circumstance. And it doesn't matter if you're in full-time ministry, part-time ministry, or if you're in the business world full-time. The credit's his. Your success depends on him, not you. It all belongs to Jesus. And see, this is what John and Peter, right? That's what they're doing. They're directing the glory back to Christ. And the Bible says that because they did that, the many that heard the word of the Lord believed and God added to their numbers 5,000 men that day. In other words, because they passed this test and gave the glory back to God, God blessed them. God multiplied what he had already given them. Once he realized that they understand it, it was for them, but it wasn't about them. Right after Peter and John are get through this test of giving glory to God, they face another test. Isn't that just like life? It's just like life. We get through one test and we're like, yes, praise God, I got through it. And then boom, we're hit with another test. Peter and John are hit with another test. And although the test, that they're different tests, the answer is the same. I love that. Jesus, he gives us a cheat sheet. He's the answer. No matter what the test is, it's, it's always Jesus. It's always Jesus. And after Peter and John, right, they have this great triumph in Acts chapter 3, you know, this man is healed from being completely crippled. It says this also, it says that all that they brought to them, all that they brought to them were being healed by Jesus through them. All of them. Even their shadow was landing on people and people were being healed by it. They're having these great triumphs. But then in Acts chapter four, the religious leaders hear of this success. They see this success and so they arrest them and bring them in and tell them, don't you ever preach in the name of Jesus again. But I love Peter's response. He says, how, how can we do that? There's only salvation in his name. It's there where he says, and you hear me say all the, all the time, right? Jesus has been given the only name under heaven by which men must be saved. It's there that Peter says that. And I love what the text says next in Acts chapter four, verse 13. It says this, now when they saw, when the, or when the religious leaders, not the disciples, when the religious leaders saw the boldness of the disciples, Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. You know, I always say that Jesus makes us look smarter than what we actually are. He's the only one that can make us a better version, the best version of us. We want to live our best lives, then we give it to Jesus. That's the best life. And although it's, it's for you, it's not about you. Peter, Peter and John are uneducated, common men, but this is what Jesus loves to do. He loves to take the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He loves to take the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And although it's for us, it's, it's not about us. And this is what he does for Peter and John. And because of this, right, because of what Jesus has done in them and through them, these religious leaders begin to recognize that they had been with Jesus. See, there should be a tangible difference between a believer and an unbeliever. 
a tangible difference. And I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about repentance. See, when we mess up, we own it and repent of it. I screwed up. I'm sorry, God, forgive me. And those around me, forgive me. We are to keep with the, with, with the, with the spirit of repentance so that we bear the fruit of repentance. Not the fruit of perfection, but of repentance. See, there should be a tangible difference. See, when a non-believer messes up, pride rises up, and it's a deflect time. It's time to deflect. It was because of this. It was because of that. This is why. This is. But when a believer does, it's, man, I'm sorry. Forgive me. There should be a tangible difference. See, when people meet us and, and they hear how we talk and when they see how we, how we walk, when they see how we live our lives, they should be able to tell that we've been with Jesus. They should be able to recognize when people see how we treat our wives, husbands. When people see how, how we treat our husbands and our mothers and our fathers, when they hear how we talk to our kids, when they hear how we talk about other people, they should be able to tell that we've been with Jesus. See, Jesus says this. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And wives, respect your husbands. And there's no, there's no cause and effect. There, there's not like this contingency plan. Like, well, you can love your wives when she does what you want her to do. Praise God. Well, you know what? I can, you can respect your husband if your husband does something to deserve the respect. No, no, no. That's not the word of God. It's love your wives as Christ of the church that he laid down his lives. And ladies, respect your husbands. See, the Bible says this, that children are a blessing from the Lord, not just when, they, when they're behaving, but always. He says to honor your father and your mother so that your, your days on this earth may be long. He says, bless those that curse you. And when we live this way, when we talk this way, people know that we've been with Jesus because there's a tangible difference. And it's such a great way to inform those around us about Jesus. And it's all because of what Jesus has done for us. It's all because of what he has done for us. And so there's this tangible difference. And, and see, these religious leaders, right, they could tell these two men were followers of Jesus. And so they, they tell them, don't, don't speak again in the name of Jesus. Peter and John tell them, we can only speak of what we have seen and heard. We can only speak of what we've seen and heard. This is exactly why we went through the other four messages first before we got to this message. Because the reality is this, if we haven't heard that Jesus is enough, if we haven't heard he is I am, if we haven't heard the proofs in the pudding and we haven't seen the scarred proof that he is exactly who he says he is, then there's no way we'll be able to live for him the way he says to live for him. Newsflash, Jesus sets the terms of how we live for him. We don't set the terms. I know that's a hard pill to swallow for most of us. We don't set the terms, but yet at different points in our lives, we will be the ones trying to tell God what we're willing to give up, what we're willing to do for him. We'll try to tell him how we're going to live for him. See, if we only hear that it's, it's all about us, then we start believing. We start believing we have this type of authority because after all, I mean, it's all about me. So it has to be about me because it's all for me. 
So I have to have that type of authority to tell God how I'm going to live for him. But see, the problem, the problem with that is we don't have that type of authority. The Bible says Jesus has been given all authority in earth and in heaven. So Jesus himself sets the terms because God has bestowed upon him the name that is above every other name because he does only have the only name given by which men must be saved. So he gets to set the terms of how you and I follow him. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25, Jesus tells us this, if anyone wants to follow me, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. For what shall it profit a man to, to gain the entire world but forfeit his soul? Counter-cultural. Deny yourself, don't satisfy yourself. Pick up your cross, don't run from your cross. Don't run from crucifying your wants and desires, but desire to lay them down. Die to yourself, don't preserve yourself. Because if you preserve yourself, if you live in self-preservation mode, you will not inherit eternal life. Don't forfeit your soul for worldly, earthly treasures that rust and moth will destroy. And see, this goes against everything that most of us have been taught our entire lives. This is why we need to, to be informed. This is, this is how Jesus tells us we have to live. These are the terms if we want to live for him, if we want to inherit eternal life. Jesus says, count the cost because there is a cost to coming after him. There's a cost to calling ourselves Christ's followers. And do you know what the cost is? It's us. It's us. See, it's for us, but it's, it's not about us. It's for us, but it's not about us. And in Acts chapter 5, right? The disciples are arrested again for preaching in the name of Jesus because they just couldn't quit. They, they, they had to speak of what they had seen and what they have heard and they, and they couldn't quit. So now they're arrested again, but the, but the religious leaders, they beat them. And after they had beaten them, then they released them, telling them again, once again, do not speak in the name of Jesus. And I find this to be so amazing. Acts chapter 5, 41 to 42, it says it this way. Then they, then the disciples, those that were just beaten, they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus, that the anointed one of God is Jesus, that the one we are to look to and live for, his name is Jesus. These followers of Jesus rejoiced, they danced, they shouted because they were found worthy to suffer and to prove their love for him. These are the terms set by him. 
the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 says, for his sake, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. None of this other stuff matters to me. I, I, don't, I don't care about any of that. I'm coming after him. And if it's in the way of, of me getting to Jesus, I'm going to mow it down. I suffer the loss of all of it. Prestige, fame, money, fortune. I suffer all of it. Count it as rubbish. So that I may gain him and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Not having a righteousness on the account of my own good works or my own good deeds. But rather that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. He says this, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. We got no problem with the resurrection, but the suffering part, eh. Eh. becoming like him, even in his death, so that by any means possible, I can attain to the resurrection from the dead. we are crucified with him then when he rises and comes back we'll be with him this is all telling us it's it's for us but it's all about him it's all about him see Jesus says I've came to give you life and and life more abundantly he says I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you not to harm you to give you a hope and a future. He says, I will bless you in your coming and bless you in, the, in your going. You are the head and not the tail. You're above and not below. That's all for you. Every bit of that's for you. It's all for us. Jesus died for us. He resurrected for us, but he did it so we'll live for him. See, these two teachings cannot be separated. They have to be put together. It's for us, but it's about him. It's for us, but it's about him. The Bible says this, that we are not our own. Don't you know you have been bought at a price and the price was the blood of Jesus Christ. So glorify God with your whole body. Galatians 2.20 says, See, I am crucified with Christ. No longer I. It's no longer I. There's no longer any I. I cannot be blinded by my own eye because, it's, because I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. See, it's, it's for me, but it's, it's not about me. Man, it's for me, but it's, it's not about me. See, it's, it's for you, but it's, it's not about you. It's for you, but it's not about you. And see, we need to search our hearts this morning. Search the deepest parts of who we are. Are we living this life for Christ? Or are we living it for ourselves? Again, if the only message you ever hear is how it's for you, you'll start thinking it's about you. We got to hear that it's about him. Because these are the terms that Jesus himself has set for us to live.
Would we rejoice? Would we rejoice in trials of many kinds? Would we rejoice in a suffering for Christ? Would we? Would we rejoice because we were beaten for his name? Would we preach his name even if it would mean that we're going to go to prison for it? And if the answer is no, and I know here in America, man, it's really hard to understand persecution because we really don't deal with it. But we've got to answer this question because if the answer is no, then we need to to repent and say, God, give me the strength in order to live for you by your spirit so that my answer will be yes. Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your ways. I say yes. Because this is a real question that one day will require us to give a real answer. Man, one day, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but one day we will have to stop living the way we are living. And it may be a very hard decision to make. But the fact of the matter is we do not set those terms. Jesus does. The Bible says, I know who love me by those who obey me. That's who love me, by those who obey me. See, it's, it's all for us, but it's all about him. Come on, put that in the chat. It's about him. It's about him. We got to hear both of these messages together. Or we'll begin to make this life about us. And that's not the gospel. That's not the message of Jesus. That's not the life of Jesus. That's not the life of his disciples. It's for us, but, but it's about him. But let me encourage you with this in closing. Because it's for us, Jesus gives us everything we need to make this life about him. Because he desires for us to live in eternity with him. He desires it. He wants it. He longs for you and for me to make it about him. And listen to me, whether or not you believe this message is true, it doesn't matter. It's not going to change it one bit. It's the only truth that we have to believe, that we must believe. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one gets to the Father except through him. We have to make that declaration. We have to. We have to understand for us and we thank you Jesus so I'm going to live this life for you and you alone so with every head bowed every eye closed every head bowed every eye closed this morning if you're tuning in with us and you've never given your life to Jesus I first want to give the opportunity to do that See, the Bible says when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. That our eternity is secure in who he is. And so right now, if you've never done that before, you've never declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. 
I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I know that in you is eternal life. Lord, save me. Lord, free me. Lord, fill every part of me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you said that prayer, all of heaven is is rejoicing. All of heaven is rejoicing. And listen to me, if you've given your life to Jesus, but you find yourselves in struggles, which all of us do, by the way, again, it's not about perfection, it's about repentance. A righteous man falls seven times every time they get back up. But it's in this moment, declaring in your hearts and saying, God, help me. Help me make it about you and stop making it about me. See, our flesh wants to make it all about us. But Jesus says it's all about him. And so, man, we're going to end today with a, with a song just to celebrate with one another the word of the Lord and believe that God is going to do something brand new within us and through us for us to live for him. Come on, let's worship. This is what living looks like.